to Not Safe for Publication. It's a back to school special after our summer hiatus, although it wasn't much of a summer. I'm Georgia, and with me, as always, is Anna. Hello. And we are today recording remotely, Georgia in Manchester, where everything's all gone kind of crazy in the last couple of days, and Anna in Durham, to kick off the new academic year. We thought that we would quite like to have a catch-up episode, but also to plug the new season and encourage all of the, especially the new PhDs, to come and talk to us about their research, because I think it's quite important, especially at the moment, to stay in touch with people. Yeah, absolutely. So we are on a Google Hangouts call because we couldn't get Zoom to work, which has kind of been the theme of the year, really, in a, in a way, just constantly wrangling with various video calling softwares. Zoom became a thing so quickly, I never heard about Zoom before. It just came out of nowhere and presumably just started immediately listening in to all our Jackbox games and <laughs> D&D sessions and stuff. Well, it is not encrypted. Yeah, so anyone could be listening in. Well, at least someone will hear this podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> So, Anna, it's a new academic year. It's the start of what will be your final year as a PhD student. How are you feeling? Intimidated, I think. But also, recently somebody said in a workshop I was attending that this is a stage when a lot of people fall back in love with their research. And I think this is going to happen. I hope that happens for me. Well, that's the thing, because you apparently at this stage spend so much time selling your research that you end up selling it a little bit back to yourself. Mm. And I think that's quite an important thing, because really, at this stage, it's kind of less about the primary data you've collected and more about sounding convincing about it. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll see if, certainly if I can do that. I'm not sure. Well, I mean, selling things is your strong point. <laughs> I guess. And I think that while second year was maybe a bit more about questioning things, I think the thing that I'm excited about this year is abandoning constant questioning things and maybe working on sounding more confident, Especially coming across confident in my writing about what my results show and what is the significance of it. Yeah. Which I think is quite important and is a skill that we all need to work on a little bit. Yeah, I think that's something that my year is going to be very much about, is sort of turning my work from a lot of like, well, isn't this interesting, isn't this cool, into here's why it's important to know this. Here is an argument. I was going through the footnotes on something I'd written recently and I had just had a, you know, you'll, I don't know if you do this, I leave notes to myself in my footnotes, which kind of will often say like, this needs a reference or something like that. And there's one in the, my footnotes that just says, come back to this, it needs an argument, <laughs> which is quite a big thing to not have. But, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the next sort of 10 months or so I'll be able to synthesize you know I've got the research I've got the the body of evidence it just needs to turn into something a bit more persuasive yeah and I think that it's very much fine also to not have that necessarily at this stage I 
quite helpfully had my my supervisor when I started um, he put me in touch with some of his students who were further along the way and quite a few of them were talking about how only in their third and fourth year they were really working on working an argument into all of that and creating a narrative of your project that works and before that that is about kind of handling raw data and about thinking okay that seems cool and then this year is very much about communicating what you think is cool to others which I think is you know because I do want to work in education it's very important for me to learn to do that so hopefully that's that's going to be good. What is your main thing that you're looking forward to about this year? <laughs> is it okay to say that I'm looking forward to it being over? Well, no, I don't think that's right, because I think I'll probably be very sad when I'm not doing a PhD anymore. But in a weird way, I'm looking forward to my Viva, if I have that in the next 12 months, which I might not. Disclaimer, 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 I might not be done within the next 12 months, but I hope I will be. Because I think, you know, actually facing some questions about my thesis and hopefully talking to... Uh, recently, I've sort of been making connections with academics in sort of photography world and sort of starting to identify people who I think might be a really like good external. Don't get too close to them. I know. Well, this is my fear is, you know, people keep being like, let's have a chat, let's have coffee. And I'd be well, I, I want you to... I'd quite like you to read my thesis. <laughs> So let's have a, a coffee, but I'm going to be weird and distant. On the other hand, obviously you only really need one external examiner. It's also fine to get some feedback from other people because yeah, you get too close to your project and even your supervisor is too close to your project. And a lot of the time kind of having to pitch to a person, possibly even outside of your field, but especially useful when it is a person in your field but who doesn't know about your project getting their perspective in helping you to understand what is exciting about your project and what is its selling points yeah yeah absolutely and I've just really you know just having these few chats whether it's on twitter or sending a few emails back and forth or yesterday I chatted with someone on zoom has sort of made me realize that one of the things that I'm good at is sort of building networks and talking to people. I'm much better at communicating my research by talking to people and maybe showing them a few slides than I am, you know, trying to write. Not that I'm a bad writer, I'm not trying to put myself down, but I think that people get what I'm trying to say when I'm saying it much better than when I'm writing it. Well, that's partially why I think we have Vivas, as absolutely dreadful as they sound, we do need this opportunity to be able to personally communicate our research. Yeah. And to give us a chance to explain ourselves, especially since the way our research is when we submit it is very much probably not how it looks like when it is published, if it is published. Yeah, so the person I was talking to yesterday was like, well, of course, you know, you should be looking to have a publication before you graduate and it makes sense to use something that you've written for your thesis, but don't do too much because you have to be thinking about your monograph and it's like, my guy, literally, I just, at this point, <laughs> I will I will think about a monograph in 15 years. <laughs> it's, it's going to, be, I think a lot of those things are going to happen 
that's very different perspective of PhD went by a lot fast well he's going by a lot faster than I've expected yeah and I think that's partly to do with COVID times yeah but also I think a lot of a lot of things which are going to feel like they're taking forever are actually going to go by quite quickly and we're going to be looking back on it and be like oh my goodness that all went by in a flash yeah but yeah certainly time feels surreal and and weird in covid yeah it's like it's been very hard to keep track of time and it's sort of felt like you've been on fake time but at this point fake time's been nine months at some point i have to realize that it's it's real <laughs> and it has you know the last couple of months things have started to come together a little bit for me work-wise but it's still quite slow going it is a weird atmosphere to be working in and i think quite a lot of phd students that you and i know quite miss ellen wilkinson for anyone who isn't a university of manchester student that is our building that is where our desks are and our unwashed coffee cups are and where our friends should be where the phd cluster is which has been quite instrumental in building a community among PhD students and we do miss it but I think also I didn't find working at home as difficult as a lot of people did which I know I know Georgia is about to hate me no I I understand we're all different we all have different experiences I mean I struggle to work in cafes the way you do I have to have someone, there has to be someone who can see me working so that I force myself to actually do it. Because if no one can see me, I will just play Slay the Spire. Oh yeah, I mean, accountability group is important. But also, I can't have any noise around me. I, I do I do like silence. And also, because I have my partner who is working from home, I kind of have an accountability group. And, you know, a person I can talk to in my lunch break but also it's not a cafe and it is quiet which has worked for me still not as good as working in Ellen Wilkinson I used to come there almost every day but I've been quite lucky in that regard yeah and you know it's I, I'm not gonna complain too much as much as I haven't like enjoyed the experience I know that I've been very very lucky you know um in a way we're very fortunate in that you know our situation was already settled like neither of us were at risk of losing a job obviously we're not going to get to do as much teaching or anything but you know we're like we're in a bit of a secure position compared to a lot of people in more sort of vulnerable and precarious situations during this i do hope by the time we are done with the phds the situation will be if not resolved, a lot more certain. Yeah, yeah, just knowing what the situation's going to be. You know, I know, like, there's a lot of people who are very stressed about the employability situation, and obviously that's completely understandable. But, you know, I, th I think in a year or so, we can see what's, what's what, if you see what I mean. <laughs> I'm not going to start stressing about it now when it might not be worth stressing about. Yeah, I mean, I did I did spend a couple of days stressing about it. And then basically I emailed my supervisor about it and she was like, "Look, 
if you are the kind of resilient human who doesn't care about rejection, which I don't think those humans exist, but... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that isn't... You can't relate to those people. Rejection is the worst. <laughs> yeah. But if you're the kind of res- person who has the resilience to be applying for jobs when there are so few jobs right now, you can try doing it. It's a useful experience. But if it's not the moment, your work and your well-being significantly more important. Yeah. And I think as as much as we shouldn't stop working, we also at this moment maybe should prioritise staying sane. Yeah, I mean, for me, staying sane and working are very closely related. Like, I feel so much, like, feeling good and working are related ideas for me, at least. I think when we work, we can feel a lot more in control. I think that's the difference between self-care and self-indulgence. Which is something we like to talk about on this podcast. They're not unrelated concepts, but I think they're concepts that are often mistaken for each other because yes as important as it is to take breaks i think for me to not feel like it is self-indulgence i have to have planned that break Mm. and also i need to have a set time for that break so that i feel like i'm in control of it yes obviously that's different for different people but i think completely stopping to work a lot of the time as helpful as taking a break is a lot of the time will make people feel like they're not in control of their work anymore yes i totally agree how you went about accessing stuff online yeah basically uh like a lot of historians i work with archive or ideally I work with archive and that's one of the big challenges that I've had this year is that archives that I want to get into haven't been open but I've been really lucky in that I got a travel grant early in the year back when travel seemed like a thing we'd be allowed to do in 2020 to go to America and obviously that's not happened and frankly I'm quite glad because not that keen to go there right now. But for the archive that I was going to go to, instead, they have digitised thousands of pages for me, which is, well, it's an intimidating amount of stuff to go through, but there is a, it's been really, really useful to be able to get into it that way. And yeah, I've been, been able to carry on doing some work that way. Demonstrate how important it is to also ask for support and look for alternative ways. Yeah, totally. I think like... That's definitely been a big takeaway for me. This whole thing is just like, you don't have to assume that, you know, all hope is lost just because you can't do exactly what you thought you were going to do. Have a backup plan and you'll always, you'll always have a backup plan. (laughs) I had to cut out a section of primary source research, which I felt like... I wanted to do it. I was able to travel home to Russia this summer. It was quite an adventure. <laughs> but while being there, and, and things were slowly opening up, but lots of people weren't wearing masks, and I was not feeling safe. And I emailed my supervisor, and she was like, look, you don't have to have all of the information in this one piece of work you're working on. Mm. If anything, at the moment, you have too many detail and not enough argument. <laughs> Later on, when you're writing an article on monograph and things are a bit more sane, 
you can go and do that piece of research. I still really want to do it in the future, but sometimes we kind of have to adjust and decide what's manageable. Yes, 100%. And I think, you know, your PhD isn't, as much as it's, you know, it's the most important bit of work you'll have done to date, it's not everything. It is just a bit of proof that you can do such and such a thing, you know, that you can analyse data or you can make form an argument that you can write. Yeah, certainly. And also, it feels quite nice having this kind of idea at what I want to do in the future. Another thing that I've been struggling with a little bit was thinking, well, I've got this project, but what am I working on after I'm done with it? Yeah, which is quite a dangerous way to be thinking, I think, at this point. it's uh, It puts so much pressure on you at a time when you don't, you know, when you could do without it. Yeah, it's it's quite nice to have kind of ideas for the bank. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm not going to say I haven't been thinking at all about what's happening next, but I think just uh, getting to the finish line by any means necessary at this point. That's, again, something that recently someone brought up in a workshop. The fact that I'm really advertising humanities training workshops today. They really should pay me. They should. They were talking about the fact that of the theses that are submitted, like a ridiculous number is passed in the end. Mm. Yes, there might be corrections, minor corrections, major corrections. Very few theses do get passed without any corrections at all. It happens, but it happens rarely. I think we we know some people that that did get passed without any corrections. I think Jamie might have passed without corrections. Yeah. Former guest, friend of the show. Also recommend his episode. Oh yes, if you want to listen to an episode of the show, I recommend Jamie's. But basically, regardless of corrections, no corrections, the vast majority of theses that do get to submission state do in the end get past it and are awarded a PhD. So a submitted thesis is a good thesis. 100% and that's where you've got to start I think there's no point in putting yourself through hell at this point in the process just gotta get there by by hook or by crook but get there we will that's the important thing yeah certainly and I think that there are also quite a lot of good things that are happening at the moment yes there are a lot of support mechanisms that are increasingly available through the university and department and they now have introduced the travel fund again hopeful it gives us hope (laughs) if not for us then for the next generation of the phd students yes that's something that i think maybe not this episode because i think we're probably approaching our time but for a future episode i think it would be good to uh, talk about and hopefully to some people who are starting this year to sort of get a read on what that feels like and how they're feeling about getting started in this unusual set of circumstances yeah so guys please do come and talk to us yeah come and come and be on our show we'll love it we are very friendly we promise yeah we're the nicest just general good vibes if you want to come and be on be on a podcast with general good vibes get in touch so anna thank you so much it's been really nice to catch up with you And to everyone else, as always, don't tell your supervisor what you heard here today. What happens on the podcast stays on the podcast. Not Safe for Publication is a podcast by and for the research students of the Faculty of Humanities at the University of Manchester. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter at NSFP Podcast 
or you can email us at nsfppodcast at gmail.com. Our intro and outro music is Hat the Jazz by Twin Musicom.